This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research. IBM paves path to five nanometers. And DARPA hires Intel for a new project. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into another episode of This Week in HPC with Intersect 360 Research, distributed in partnership with Top500.org. I'm Addison Snell. That's Michael Feldman. Michael, a couple of interesting stories this week in HPC, both on the side of future chip developments. Let's start with this news from IBM, just when you think these chips aren't going to get any smaller. Yeah, I mean, people have been talking about how to shrink these chips into the into down below 7 nanometers because of the technology limitations, even with FinFET. IBM Research has come up with a new technology to get below that seven nanometer threshold that they think is is going to get them there and perhaps even even less than that at some point. And it's it's called nanosheet technology, something that hasn't been talked about very much. Uh, but they think they've got a, a technique and they've demonstrated at least uh, initial versions. They think they can get a 40 percent performance increase or a 75 percent uh, power savings or, or some, some combination of that too with this new technology compared to uh, the current 10 nanometer chip technology. Yeah, this basically takes something that's been vertical and turns it horizontal. You make a, a good point in your article on top500.org and in the acronym FinFET that, that we've heard tossed around, the FIN part isn't actually an acronym. It means a literal FIN, a vertical yeah. FIN like a shark FIN. And it's an array of those that gets laid out on uh, on the transistor. This IBM technology takes the vertical alignment and turns it into a horizontal nano sheet with the idea that this opens up an additional gate, what they're calling a fourth gate for the transistor. The eventual layout still is in 3D, and there's a great picture in your article on top500.org. It really looks like teeth more than anything else with a a barrel-shaped snowman (laughs) up above and little roots that dig down below but it's an interesting new technology to get down to five nanometers yeah and it's something ibm has has patented they have a bunch of patents on this and i think the interesting part even though this is a, a research project uh at at this time they're working with their commercial partners in in this case samsung and global foundries so um, with sort of those patents in hand and this alliance, uh, we could see at some point in the not too distant future this technology pouring out of those fabs and maybe changing the competitive landscape, maybe for the first time where another foundry would have a superior technology to that of Intel. Yeah, this comes not too far on the heels of Intel trumpeting the fact that they were a generation ahead of everybody, at least a generation ahead of everybody on 10, a 10 nanometers. Now you've got IBM talking about getting to, uh, going from their seven nanometer test nodes down to five nanometers. Now, uh, there's no timeline for this. We don't know how or when this gets commercialized, but we can assume that it'll at least be in some sort of competitive time frame, right? Yeah, I mean, one thing we have to keep in mind here that uh, when, when Samsung and Global Foundry especially talks about the, their uh, process nodes and, and their nanometer measurements, it's not quite the same as what Intel is talking about. There's no uh, sort of standard way to measure transistor pitches and things like that. So uh, some of this is a little bit fuzzy as far as uh, what 
what this five nanometer might mean and, and what the shrink from 10 nanometers to seven nanometers might mean. It, it's not all equivalent here, but I think the thrust of this is IBM and its partners feel they have a technology that can shrink a lot further than, than what Intel is promising at this point. Um, and that, that in itself would be a very significant uh, development in, in sort of this race to smaller transistors. Well, I mean, to shrink a lot further, that uh, you, you do start running up against other limits. I mean, people have talked about heat being a limit. They've talked about cooling being a limit. Eventually, you have to start looking at what's the width of one silicon atom, right? And, and I did. I looked it up. One silicon, the diameter of one silicon atom is 210 picometers, which is about five to a nanometer, which means five nanometers is is at the most 25 atoms thick. It's actually a little less than that. So, you know, that's kind of impressive when you look at, we're just going to count individual atoms here. Yeah, I mean, they definitely are bumping up against some physical limits here. But I mean, it's, and I think that's why they're looking at this technology. You have to remember, FinFET is not an old technology. It was introduced in commercial chips in like 2012. So it, it might end up only having a, you know, a five to eight year run, and then they're gonna have to switch to another technology. In this case, IBM has that an idea of what to do. So the fact that these, the, the technologies themselves don't have a long life uh, sort of uh, implies that we're running up against these limits and we have to figure out sort of, uh, you know, exotic ways to do much further. But, you know, like you said, like you imply, once you get down to five nanometers and below that, you're running out of atomic space to do what you need to do and, 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 uh, you know, affect electron leakage and things that, uh, you know, become uncontrollable at a certain point. Sure. And it's not like it's as simple as it being a pile of atoms either. These are all in a crystalline lattice. You're talking about pure or very nearly pure silicon. Uh, and so they, they only go together a certain way, but it just in terms of conceptualizing how thick these things can be, you, you do run into, there's an absolute width. You're not going to make the atom itself any smaller. Yeah, exactly. But uh, definitely interesting development. And yeah, check out my article on Top 500. Very interesting picture and uh, discussion there. I talked to somebody at IBM who had some interesting quotes. So uh, check it out. And, you know, we'll hopefully we'll see this within a few years commercialized and uh, it'll be interesting. Well, sticking with future technology uh, for processors, Michael, let's look at the other story this week in HPC. There's a DARPA grant going to Intel for a next-generation graph analytics processor. Yeah, it's a project uh, under a sort of strange name called their HIVE program. It stands for Hierarchical Identify, Verify, Exploit. Uh, but what it is, it's about graph analytics. Um, DARPA and its, its sponsor, the DOD, has a lot of uh, application work in this area and then things like intelligence and communications and, and needle in a haystack type problems um, uh, where graph analytics can come in handy or just any sort of correlation problem where you have a lot of data, unstructured data, and you need to do correlation between these things. So there's a big application area for the DOD and even outside the DOD for, for these graph problems. So they put together this program and they've just named, like you said, um, Intel as, as one of the prime contractors. We should mention also Pacific Northwest National Lab is in there, Georgia Tech, Northrop Grumman, and Qualcomm Intelligence Solutions is, is part of this team. But it looks like Intel will be 
the the primary on developing this graph analytics chip. Yeah, graph analytics is something we really started talking about a lot when big data came to the fore a couple of years ago. And it, we had companies that were introducing whole lines of computers built around graph analytics. But we didn't didn't really hear about dedicated graph analytics processors. And it's not like these problems have gone away. Analytics has only grown in importance in its association with things like deep learning and artificial intelligence. No one really used the words deep learning or machine learning with this processor, but we know that these analytics problems are out there. And now we have a uh, government funded project for DOD, which specifically has a lot of these kinds of problems to look at a dedicated processor for these graph analytics. This this could be a game changer, not only in the government space, but for a wide commercial application where where big data is concerned. Yeah, it certainly has those applications there, areas uh, commercially. I mean, all these all these graph problems we've talked about that sort of are tangential or, or a subset or a superset of what we see for machine learning, things like genomics processing, financial transactions, uh, optimization, you know, purchasing analysis, all these things that um, become correlation problems and, and it becomes very generalized. What, what nobody's done to date is build sort of a chip designed to do that. So the goal here from DARPA's side is to get a thousand X improvement over current hardware technology, which in this case, they, they sort of specified as the GPU, which is maybe considered the de facto standard for running accelerated graph analytics today. But the, a lot of that is done with software help. They're actually looking to do this in, in hardware only to a certain extent and get that thousand X uh, performance improvement. So it, it's quite an ambitious project in that sense to get that the three orders of magnitude improvement in a relatively short period of time. The next question for me in terms of the broad applicability of this processor is the extent to which people invest in special hardware to do graph analytics. Now, I'm fully prepared to believe that the government has those applications, but just saying those applications for graph processing exist in enterprise isn't enough to suggest that people will buy special hardware for it. In fact, for all that big data took off, it didn't really change people's enterprise IT budgets. People are spending the same amount before and after big data. They maybe bought a little more flash than they would have otherwise, but but big data didn't really change how much people were spending on IT. It became part of the overall enterprise IT budget, which didn't change. The, the ex counterexample of that might be in hyperscale, where you see these major cloud vendors that are also pushing deep learning, machine learning, AI. There might be uh, some room in there for dedicated hardware that will look at these analytics types of applications. Could go into anything from uh, AI to uh, recommendation engines. Yeah, I mean that's that that is a good point. I mean it's the market there is not well defined for it to be a to be a volume market at this point. Um it, it sort of depends upon how Intel looks to move this technology into the commercial realm. I mean they might it this might end up being some sort of variant of a Xeon Phi or might be a special graph analytics engine in some other chip that they could they could sell more widely and then insert it into a some sort of server offering like that. So it, it, you know, that, that information is, is not forthcoming at this point. So we don't quite know their plans, but I could see it at being some sort of accelerator that could be an add on to their product line. 
and and then figure out a way to to sell that into a, a more volume um, market and with just this as a sort of an extra. Those are all all good points. Now we were saying before the IBM project, we don't know any time frame. Uh, in this case, we do have a time frame. Is that right? Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, at least from the DARPA side, they're expecting a delivery in the middle of 2021 for basically a 16-node demonstration system with these new processors on it uh, with that 1,000x performance increase. Of course, from Intel's side, they might have a commercial graph analytics product uh, sooner than that based on this technology, but certainly uh, DARPA is, is shooting for the middle of 2021 for sort of their their final deliverable. We're getting to where 2021 doesn't sound like that far away. We keep talking about these timelines in terms of exascale. It seems like we're really coming down on these. Yeah, it's it isn't that far away. I mean, it's and uh, yeah, everything seems to be uh, happening at once as far as the early 2020s. So it's, <laughs> that'll be an interesting uh, interesting time as as all these technologies sort of move into the mainstream. Another thing that's not that far away is the ISC conference. We'll have one more big podcast before we get there. We'll do a whole preview show. Among the things we'll talk about is that Intersect 360 Research will do an HPC overview talk on uh, Tuesday at 10 in the morning, uh, hosted by DDN and in partnership with the HPC Advisory Council. You can watch for details on that at our Twitter handle, at Intersect360, or on our Facebook page for Intersect360 Research. So stay tuned for that. And also next week, on This Week in HPC, we'll give a total rundown of all the places we'll be in Frankfurt at ISC. Sounds good. All right, Michael. We'll talk to you again later. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC, brought to you by Intersect 360 Research, actionable market intelligence for high-performance computing. For more information, visit intersect360.com.